Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. I'm currently studying my PhD in how coaches can use feedback to guide the visual search of the player. So really looking into the detail behind what do we mean by visual search, exploration. You know, some people will talk about scanning and building on Gia Jordet's work around scanning and, and other colleagues. And how do we design practices that promote players' ability to, to make decisions and solve problems? Uh, it's something I'm really passionate about. It's been a part of my focus around communication and practice design for over 14 years, even when I was doing my master's degree and, and my thesis with that. And obviously it's evolved now into into the PhD uh, where I'm studying at Sheffield Hallam. Yeah, I, was like, I think what would be great is if we perhaps start with what's our definition of, I guess, scanning or, or visual search, as I like to call it. You literally read my mind. Um I was going to dive straight in and say, obviously, it's an area you've looked in quite a lot and everyone's going to have a different perspective. But I think one thing for certain, no matter what level of the game you're working at, you're always hearing coaches talking about wanting players to become better at scanning and looking at different ways and trying to introduce that into the game. Maybe from your perspective, if you want to start us off and just let us know what you consider scanning to be. And I think it's really interesting as well that obviously you've got your own terminology for how you def- how you, def- how you determine what it is as well how you describe it because that's very key here you know as, as much as we've got this term scanning it's really important that coaches do use terms that make sense to them and their players in their environment as you kind of already touched on earlier so maybe just start us off with that Jared. yeah so for me and i think it's not to say that scanning's a bad word or whatever the the, the preference i would have would, would be around visual search and I'll explain why. And even if we're to talk about scanning, for me, it's the the the, the exploratory behaviour of the player to search for information from the environment 
in order to come up with their own adaptable and unique movement solution. And I think that's a pretty clear definition because what I mean by that is they're, they're in this quest of looking and becoming game responsive. You know, we're not looking to develop or create environments that develop players who have to rely on the coach for the answer. You know, so if our feedback is typically very much around mechanics, and we'll get to some of that later, um, breaking down the mechanics of a skill, designing environments that, that will do that, that, it, that aren't game-like, you know, players aren't in those super competitive environments that promote both choice and consequence, which I think are two real key factors as well, then you're not necessarily going to get them looking for information of, you know, what's the postural orientation of of this particular player? Where's the gaps? Can I split them? Can I play around the corner? Can I play with disguise? Can I play with deception? You know, how can I sell my intention? Um, and there's a lot of work around intentionality when we're talking about developing players. We've got to go after skillful players. And in order to do that, as we've said on, on previous Twitter spaces, we've got to be looking at environments that are, involving some kind of uh, consequence, choice, contextual interference. People talk about opposition. Um, doesn't always have to be opposed. My preference would definitely be opposed. You know, if you look at any of the practices I'll, I'll typically do, they're all games activities, uh, play-centred activities. Um, but it's not to say that you can't go down the other end of the practice spectrum. It always comes back to... What is it that you're trying to get out? You know, what's your session intentions? What is it that you're trying to work out? And how does it relate to the needs of the players? But if we're talking about definitions of, you know, visual search, scanning, these type of terms, for me, it's that. And I would build on it. So I've said about that exploratory behavior to search for information from the environment to come up with their own solution. To lead on that, there's a great researcher called Carl Newell who's a leading expert, one of the founders of Ecological Dynamics and a founder in constraints-led approach, you know, uh, similar to like your, your Gibson. So James Gibson was a, a researcher who's sort of brainchild behind perception and action coupling. You have, to, you, you have to perceive in order to act and you have to act in order to perceive. So in other words, you have to move in order to see things and pick information up and you have to... Um, see things in order to move so everything's interlinked they're not separate um and i would build on what carl newell says which is that practice is search i think that's a great starting point in any discussion is that if we view practice as search or learning as searching then straight away what we're doing is we're positioning the importance of search right at the very top when we're thinking about how we design environments because we're recognising that players make decisions based on time, space and number variations. Over 85% of the information players receive is through their eyes. You know, of course, you've got other sentences, you've got haptic, you've got visual, you've got uh, verbal, etc. But typically, over 85% is through their eyes. So, And there's another thing which I think is really important to add, Yaz, and obviously I'm interested to hear what you think, is that there's a difference between looking and seeing. So often a lot of coaches will talk about scanning, scanning, or you need to scan more, you need to search more. I think search is a better word because 
it implies that you're looking for something, you're searching, um, and it will change because the picture changes. You know, we're, we're, our sport is a very random, constantly changing, unpredictable, dynamic sport. It's very complex. It's for, No situation will ever occur exactly the same. So because of that, it requires the ability for players to have to look Where's the defender? Where's the space in behind? What are the, the they're making decisions even before the speed of sight? So that links back to that practice is search le- and and see learning as searching. And when I say like there's a difference between looking and seeing, you know, you can look a lot, but you're not necessarily seeing. And also where you look doesn't necessarily mean where you're attending to. Because, you know, we've done this where we've had and Gerardet and other people have put um, what's called like these um, Toby goggles, and you can look at the the trackers and the eye tracking movements of players. That's great, and you can get some indication of where they're looking. But of course, you can get information outside your periphery or other other areas. Um, but in a simple thing, you know, without giving loads of people too much information on the first <laughs> sentence, is. Looking doesn't necessarily mean seeing. So, again, if we're saying to players, you've got to scan more or whatever phrases people typically use, what does that even mean? Actually, our job is to create environments that promote the ability to search because there's a choice and there's consequences. Therefore, there's problems to solve and decisions to make. And in doing so, players have to look for the information to come up with their own adaptable solution. Adaptable being a key word because it's forever changing. So there's no one-size-fits-all uh, right, correct way of doing something. And actually, you know, perhaps and we'll delve into this a bit later, is um, by developing the, these behaviours around scanning or searching, whatever words we want to use, we're developing players' ability to, to recognise and identify key sources of information to be really game responsive. And that's the key. Um, those would be my my definition in, in the simple context, but then also the, the background story behind it. I'd be interested to know what anyone else thinks in the room and, and equally your thoughts on that, Yaz. Yeah, no, listen, I think there's there's some incredible stuff in there. There's loads loads to think about. I think the key things that really come out for me there, Gerard, is that I think search is a really good word because, you know, you, you quite often, I'm sure that you've come across it, I've definitely come across it and I'm, you know, probably as others in the room have as well, is that when we talk about scanning, you hear coaches talking about scanning, especially if we're looking at grassroots or environments where players are fairly inexperienced or, or maybe not not that competent in terms of their understanding of different terms that could be used within the game. It's, have you scanned, have you checked, check your shoulders and all of this sort of stuff. It's actually, what are they looking for? So in, I guess in your in your terminology, like what, what, what do you want them to search for? And this is the thing, you know, it's all well and good saying to players, check your shoulders, are you scanning? What are they scanning for is exactly what you're talking about there. Is, is that what are you paying attention to? And, you know, you've got these, you talk about the Toby goggles and the, and the research that's been done with that in terms of understanding maybe where the players are possibly looking, which direction they're possibly looking. But like you said, it's what they're seeing as as and what they're looking at is two different things. So I think it really highlights something really key for me, and it's just how important it is to make sure that the things that you want them to be looking out for in the games or that they should be paying attention to in games, how much of that is actually in your practices, in your training environment. So, you know, many a time I've, you know, had had a situation where 
you know, players are in a practice. Let's use a Rondo as an example. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a big fan of Rondo because actually, you can argue the case and say, yeah, you, you get, you might have a two v four situation or whatever that might be in a game situation. But the question that always that is left with me is, is that how it would look in a game? Is that how it would look in a game? And if it did look like that in a game, what would cause it for, to look like that in a game? And how long would that situation last for? So I think these are some of the real key factors. And, you know, I, I like to, I think I mentioned this in one of the previous discussions we've had. I like to look at every, everything almost like a traffic light analogy. And I like to refer things to as the green light moments. And you've got your amber moments. and You've got your red light moments. Right. And that spectrum can look so different depending on who the individual is at the center of it. So, for instance, it could be a simple 10 yard pass as an example of coming from me to you. But all of a sudden, you know, if we if we get someone else who's now in and around that area for me, that might affect how much of a green light I've got or what my green light actually looks like. So, for instance, <clears throat> I might need a clear path to make a strike to you through that 10-yard pass. But if that play comes two yards closer, I'm now thinking this is a bit of an amber. So I might now need to adjust my technique, adjust my adjust the type of surface I might use on the foot, adjust where I might strike the ball, just to try and possibly put it around the player. Or it might be a completely different shift and actually move the ball completely to recreate that green moment again, if that makes sense. And I think that's, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong, this really what you're talking about when you're talking about paying attention to and you're talking about can we can we get into that gap there? Can we play in between those two players there? And it's a real that perception piece of right. I've seen the picture, I can see the 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 gaps, I can see the space or whatever that might be, but actually knowing myself as an individual and developing that self-awareness of what I'm actually capable of, that there looks a bit more like a red light than it does look like a green light to me or potentially the way I like to refer to it is that might be your amber going into a red rather than amber going into a green which is a bit more safety if that makes sense no I think there's loads there really interesting completely agree I mean when you were talking about some of those scenarios for the for the players I was literally thinking in my head what we've talked about before around the game and making it game-like, but then understanding what does their game look like and their individual needs. I did a session the other day. I won't name the club, but was asked to do a guest session. It was with a, a pro club, under-19s, PDP. And basically, one of the arrival activities was small-numbered work, but I put a, a challenge or a constraint on it that you know they had to finish. It was directional mini-games, um, 2v2s, 3v3s, multiple pitches as a starter activity, arrival activity, but they had to finish off a one to finish only in the opponent's half. They're working for a few minutes, one minute break, and then even after that, as a as an evolution, so they're getting loads of returns on playing in tight areas, when to play quick, when to you know outnumber people, how to create opportunities. Then I put another challenge on there, which was if you score in your own half with a one-touch finish, it's worth double. And it was amazing how in certain moments within those few minutes, it did come out and it just got players looking for moments where can I bypass these players with a pass? So if you're playing to me, can I split those defenders? But in my own half, it's worth double. So it's promoting that ability to look, you know, look forward, play forward. Um, 
and, and punish teams, right? And play with disguise. I mean, there was loads of that going on. And then, you know, we went into more positional type possession work, directional with keepers. You know, I did the challenge where it was find different ways to play into the keeper's hands. How you do that is up to you. But you've got to f- try and find a way to, to get into these hands as quickly as possible. And they were finding ways to play through blocks, defensive structures, over, around. There was times where I was saying, how can your pass or your action eliminate two or more defenders? So again, I'm not giving them the answer on what to do, where to look or how to move. But I've designed an activity, using your words, that game-like, where everyone's getting repetition without repetition, not necessarily repetition with repetition. So they're getting repetition without repetition, loads of different scenarios, but they're having to make choices. And if they get it wrong, they're getting that feedback from the from the activity itself, as well as any potential feedback from the coach. One of the other activities I did was like, try and play into the keeper's hands. Um, and it was, you got to play with a header, a volley or a special. They had to decide what special looked like. It was pretty cool to be fair, whatever the, what they did, it was really cool. Um, Again, finding ways to intricately work it, but then look for ways to clip it and head it into the hands. And then that was creating different types of jewels. Even some of the players, as part of their individual objectives, like one player, he wanted to, right at the start of the practice, so again, talking about like individual difference and going towards practice design topics, he wanted to work on his ability to play backwards one touch. And another player wanted to work on his ability to, to eliminate defenders with a with his first touch or a no touch. Other other players who were in the same practice were working on dealing with pressure from behind or one v one in one v ones and what have you. So even within all those activities, there's opportunities where players are getting their own little individual needs. But again, they're in an activity that's providing them realism. And it's their realism. So there's choice, there's competition, there's challenges, and finally there's clarity. You know, what's the relevance to me and why? And in that last one where they've got to clip it or whatever, obviously that's creating different types of balls being coming in. So they're getting variability there. Are they intercepting? Are they recognizing how they can clip it over somebody? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Where are they looking? So, you, you know, the words you used were great. Where are they paying attention to? So now you're developing players' ability around noticing. But equally, the coach has to be really good at that and the art of noticing. And then, I, you know, I went into a, a final sort of phase of play, if you like. Obviously, I had different areas. I had half space. I had flat markers as visuals and other little challenges. But again loads of emphasis and, and different challenges or conditions or constraints just to encourage players to have to look for information. Where's the number nine? How can you find ways to connect with the number nine, number 10? How can your, um, again, your pass or dribble allow him to move forward and get, oh, how can we get early entries into the penalty area that lead to a shot? I'm not necessarily telling them how to do it, but they were finding clever ways. Obviously, we managed the opposition to create a problem for us. So one of the coaches I was co-coaching with, 
his job was managing the opposition to create a problem. Every two minutes, they went without conceding. It was a point. Every time they intercepted it and breaked out into one of the goals, it deducted one goal off our tally. So if my attacking team are winning 3-0, all of a sudden now, it's 2-1. Because they've lost one and gained one. It could easily go uh, 2-2. Because I've gone two minutes and there you go, there's another. So you see how it becomes competitive? And that plays on people's minds because it's it's making it game-like. They're making mistakes, which is great. You're giving them more problems to solve. And then you've got to manage that and wrestle with, you know, how far does it become? Does it become too challenging or, or not enough, you know, not enough? Or where, where does it need to go? And I think it leads on to the feedback piece, which for me, if we're talking about search and practices search, learning and searching, We've got to think about how do we use our feedback to guide the visual search of the players? So how are we using feedback to guide their eyes? And I think for coaches, it's often we don't pay attention enough to understanding, like tapping into the perception of the player. We're very keen to almost impose our perception of what we've seen and what the correct solution was we saw. But going back to search, we're in our vantage point and we're maybe seeing things. It's not to say that's right or wrong, um, because, of course, there will be times where you need to give potentially direct instruction. You may need to give a player an answer or guide them to that answer. Of course there is. You know, one of the situations I saw in that particular practice, the forward made a run. He'd actually made a run to deceive, and he's, he's attracted the defender, and then he's started to peel off, and it was like a late but quick movement. He's making a run in the box. Anyway, the lad hasn't recognised it, and he's played the ball behind him, like to the side, thinking he was going to stay put. So the ball, obviously, we lost possession. In that moment, I just asked him a question. I talked about, you know, what could you have done differently and all this type of stuff. But what we're doing is we're guiding where they look. So it's less about telling them what to look for. How can we help guide them? And also recognise that they may have seen something differently to what we haven't seen because they're playing the game. And in a couple of instances in the match, I thought the best solution was X, whatever X was. But actually, the player was trying something else. And even watching it back on the video, which I did yesterday, there's a couple of times I'm going, actually, what he was trying to do there was probably a better solution than the one I had. So it just makes me more aware that, again, it, perhaps feedback is less about telling them what, what to do, where to look and how to move but guiding them so that they're really good and they're recognising that if we've created this game-like environment that's requiring problems, you know, it's giving them problems to solve, so it's requiring solutions to those problems, then then maybe we can do that where we're facilitating that learning so that the players become really good at identifying and going, ah, I should have played into to Yaz there. That was the moment. Otherwise, I can say just give it to him here, but does he necessarily know why and the context behind that decision? And I think that's where we've got to see feedback, practice design, visual search. Is players becoming really game responsive. Otherwise, they're just going to become dependent upon the coach. If they're faced with a problem they've never seen before, who's the first person they look to? It's the coach on the side. And I think we've got to try and think about how can we create environments that, that avoid that. You know, we want people to solve it out on the pitch um, and give them the tools to do that. Yeah, those would be my two little cents. I don't know if there's anything you want to add or, or to open up to questions, but yeah, those, it's really interesting. 
No, I think some great points. And, you know, what really jumps out at me there is just the importance of the coach remembering that actually the player's perspective is very different. So scanning is all well and good. But this, what they're going to scan for and how they perceive that information to then come on come on board for them will be very different to how we're seeing it from, as you used, you know, that vantage point. Often we're at the sidelines. We're often, especially if we're working with younger players, you know, those are maybe working in the foundation, but you're seeing it from above and from the side as well as, you know, if just not just from the side if the players are slightly older if you like so I think there's there's a couple of different pieces in there but I think one thing that's really key for me in here now is coaches really understand that actually when a player makes a decision rather than guiding them in the first place actually try and delve deeper into why the player did it in the first place what did the player see what did the player notice how did the how did the player perceive that information because that bit there could actually then unpack a whole can of worms around what the possibilities could have been for that individual, even for the coach to then understand, actually, where can I direct someone else's attention next time? Is there a, is there a missing piece that I've, I've not yet stumbled on? Which is essentially what you've just spoken about there, Joe, where, you know, you, you've taken a step back and been hold on a second, he's actually come up with a solution that probably was better than the one I had. So I think sometimes, as coaches, you know, we need to remember that it's not always about being involved. Sometimes it's about actually just stepping back, observing and you know we, they tell, they tell, we talk about it all the time especially on the coaching courses where they say you know pick up a different coaching position look at things from different perspectives sometimes you know maybe it might be taking a knee just so you can see things from a lower lower vantage point but I think there's some really really good bits in there I'm just really curious now if you know if you've got any of the listeners with any questions around anything that's been discussed or anything that they want to add around their own experiences um, feel free to kind of you know raise your hands and in the meantime guys you know we just want to say thank you again for joining us and if you can take a moment just to make sure that you're following the coaches in that you learn Blee and Gerard's accounts um, respectively, please. That's a brilliant way to leave off, mate. I mean, the, the key words that you said there were absolutely outstanding. Understanding their perspective, what they've seen, it just, you know, affordances, isn't it? Opportunities for action. Un- actually understanding what, what have they seen. Close your eyes and tell them what you saw. Delving deep into that, their their perception, brilliant. So yeah, any any questions from anyone in the room or any challenging thoughts, perhaps? Maybe there might be some that might have a, a different perspective. Um, so yeah, open open to uh, any conversations or discussions around that. Just just while we're waiting to see if anyone does jump in there, I've just got one final thing to add there, and it's you know looking at that perception piece, understanding that you know part of the role is for us to help players develop a greater sense of self-awareness. Um, and sometimes there's, you know, you've got players with lack of confidence, but no awareness, of, no awareness of just how good their ability is to actually execute on a particular moment or action. And that could sometimes be the reason why they don't act upon a certain moment. So for instance, if they've seen that gap, they've seen that space, they're not playing the possible, they're not confident, not necessarily because they can't do it. I think that's another piece to kind of really pay attention to as well. And a couple of questions I do have for players to think about. If you're if you're a coach, consider asking your players, you know, what was it in that moment that you saw that allowed you to make that decision, that that you know, pushed you towards making that decision? But then equally challenge that and delve deeper so they can develop a greater sense of awareness of the situation too. And that question could simply be counteracting it by, right, what did you see that if that wasn't present would have changed your decision? 
so they can start better assessing and better searching or have a better filter for search in the future if we use your language, Gerard, on what fits the criteria for that to become a green light moment if we're now intertwining the language that we've been using together. Just before we kind of... Uh, cool time on the conversation this evening if, if, if anyone hasn't got any questions then we'll give it a second or two I'm not sure if there's anyone that's got anything to say tonight Gerard but that's a, that's not a problem but you know just guys just hopefully you've had a a, a good listen to what me and, my, me and Gerard have had to say this evening around our perspectives on how we do guide search what scanning is to us and how to maybe further develop the, the self-awareness of your players um, but like I said at the top of the conversation, guys, myself and Gerald will be here every Sunday taking questions that uh, have been put to us throughout the week and we'll be discussing those and we'd love to get your opinions and views and further questions on that. So if you've got a question you'd like to have discussed going forward, please do get in touch. Please make sure you uh, you follow in our accounts. So you've got myself, Coach Yas, who's at the Coach's Net. You've got Gerard, I'll hand over to you for your ones, mate. Platform so at ULEARNBLY, and obviously my own Gerard underscore Jones. I, I, I'm conscious there's a lot of experience in the room, you know, whether it's Hajib, Hajib, if you're, you're around, obviously he's working at the top level with Orlando Magic, another invasion sport. You've got Adam Temple, uh, great to see Adam, obviously at Manchester City. And it'd be interesting to know what you guys are doing over there. You've got coaches who are, you know, goalkeeping on the on the on the chat tonight. How their context might be different. How they might design search and, and interference. So yeah, it'd be interesting if any of you guys want to open up. Hajiv, Adam, anyone want to have a chat just quickly and share some thoughts. I think everyone's going to quiet one. I think they just enjoy Mother's Day, Gerard. But it's, <laughs> got it's great. We've got, we've got a request. We've got one request there. Let's have a look. Who's the oh. request is gone now? I think it was Adam. Yeah, if you unmute Adam. Adam, if you still want to share your thoughts please feel free to join us yep remember yeah, guys all right Adam how's it going mate you okay good, mate. yeah you yeah really good yeah we're really interesting chatting obviously been dashing around the house doing a few bits getting ready for the, the kids school week and whatnot but uh really enjoyed, <laughs> really enjoyed listening in um I think it's really interesting really interesting topic because as you kind of touched on it it's something that we all talk about and I think that one of the main things I've taken from time, I think you might say to Gerard, was was really understanding what you mean by what you say. So when you talk about is it scanning, like check your shoulder, have a look. Like for me, I think we, we talk a lot about language and trying to almost dissect things, but it's just making sure you're really clear for me in terms of what do I exactly want to try and get across when I'm trying to teach this. 
and it is that we've got to teach it. You know, it's a it's a technique like any other, but it's so important. It's so important for them to actually understand the game, to to see things, to see the see what's happening, and and learn to take the the cues off the different factors within the game. I think that's a great point there. And I think just that, you know, just talking about those cues there, one of the key things I really would like players to consider when I'm working with them is, right, if, for instance, let's just, I don't know, give a basic example. I'm looking to receive a ball. There's a player that's a couple yards away from me. If he is three yards away from it, from me, how close would he need to be for me to actually now not be secure in my, you know, confidence that I'm actually going to secure that ball and do what I need to do with it effectively? And have you know just those little cues that you're talking about there, right? Is the is the defender three yards on my right shoulder? Actually, that's not the, that's not the same context as when the defender's three yards on my left shoulder, because actually I feel more confident going to the right or the left. So I think you know you you, you talk there about the cues, and I think that's a really important piece for me as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Have you seen? Have you guys seen the work with um, the Douglamov shows around the the pianist? Where he's, he's, he's got the eye tracking stuff. No, I can't say I have. So he's, yeah, he's basically Daniel Balowski or something. He's like a famous uh, pianist, like, and he's he's got he's so he's obviously like the top of the top of his game, and he's got a a, a student with him. Obviously, can play can play the piano very well, but isn't at the same level. And they do the eye tracking stuff and they show where where they look. And obviously, the the experts further advanced, but he actually looks at less. But I think when I look, when I think about it, like you know, teaching it within a as a technique, as I, as I say, and that was obviously some of the questions you, you asked around what we try and do at the club. I think it is that, and it's understanding that the younger age groups, it's just developing them habits to start to look and to see away from the ball. Obviously, the more capable they are in terms of the techniques and receiving the football, then then they can start to look at more specifically and look at less less things, but with more detail. And I think it becomes more of a natural natural thing but I think the main thing is encouraging it do you understand what I mean is, is getting them getting to know that they've got to see more than the ball and obviously you see if you see a kid first first kick a ball everything's about the ball <laughs> but as we know in the game as, as they progress they get less and less time on it and it becomes more about these other factors that they've got to read to make sure what they do with the ball is obviously more effective so well said I love that that's brilliant I mean, is there, is there any other stuff that you're doing at the minute that you think is quite interesting that might be worth sharing or, or even your own, I guess, perspectives? You know, when you're coaching players, how, how are you guiding their attention and where they look for for information? I think, yeah, I, think, I wouldn't say there's anything different. I think people, like we could say, oh, it is. It'd be no difference, I'm sure, a lot of the work that everyone does, you know, it's, it's as I say there encouraging the, the habit of, ch- of checking and looking and seeing more. But equally, the more they understand, the more they, they know what to look for. So for me, it's, it's very much, I'm, I'm big from what we spoke before, Gerard, on in terms of linking the work, not doing stuff in mm-hmm. isolation. I know, as you talked about Rondos before, and obviously as a club, we do quite a lot of that. But for me, we've tried to work now and, and kind of demonstrate to the kids where the Rondo fits into the game. So when we're playing in tight areas and it's you know saying build up however it is, well then equally what the outlets so not just passing for passing sake and passing in in circles sort of thing and hundred passes is great. Well actually you've got nowhere. Actually looking for that chance when the defender's overcommitted and we can get out. 
So that's how I'd probably tie it in. <clears throat> but in terms of actually uh, this idea of looking and, and trying to see more and scanning all these words. We... Awesome. Like I said, guys, we're going we're to be here every single week uh, taking questions that have been put to us and just sharing our views and opinions. So if you've got a question or a topic you'd like to see us discuss, please let us know. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You know, feel free to drop us a DM or a comment um, or a tweet. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.